I want to apologize ahead of time for any audio issues that may arise with this episode in particular. I've been having some weird technical problems when it comes to uploading, and it seems to be occurring really heavily in this episode. Again, I apologize. I tried my best to edit out as much of it as I could, and hopefully the changes will be fixed in the following one. However, I hope you guys still enjoy, and here we go. Thank you for tuning in for this year's Fright Month. Throughout the month of October, each day we shall be looking into one location in or around the city of Philadelphia, giving you their history and some of the hauntings associated with the location. These will be shorter episodes than normal weekly ones, but I hope that you will still enjoy the journey into these locations' pasts and some of the history that may still be lingering here in the present. Be sure to check out the Patreon throughout the month for show note links, resources, on each location, as well as some special behind-the-scenes content to celebrate this joyous month of frights. The Betsy Ross House, situated in Old City, Philadelphia, similar to a lot of places that we shall be discussing this month, that is most notable for being the purported location where the first American flag was sewn by the building's namesake, Betsy Ross. But the history is a bit fuzzier than is generally assumed. Personally, I didn't really know any of this until a few years ago. But the Betsy Ross house has a bit of a myth surrounding it, and that is in relation to Betsy Ross herself and this particular story in which she created the first American flag. The story starts with some descendants of hers providing some verification to the location in which the house was situated. However, upon looking into some deeper archival diving, it is noted that the house would have actually been the one situated across the street from where the house is located today. On top of that, when it comes to the legitimacy surrounding the claims that Bessie Ross owned and lived in the house, along with sewing the first American flag, things are slightly debated among historians as it seems to waver when it comes to this. Despite all of this, however, the Betsy Ross house remains one of the most frequented tourist locations here in Philadelphia. The house itself is situated along Arch Street, not too far away from other historical sites such as the Liberty Bell and Independence Hall. The house began construction in 1740, with additional segments and features added on throughout the years. When Ross resided here, she didn't actually own the location. Rather, her and her husband rented the location for several years between the years of 1773 and 1786. While the Rosses lived here, they ran an upholstery business out of the house. If the American flag were to be sewn by Ross, this would add some credibility due to her skill set. But before anyone hops onto all of this, be aware that I am not a historian. I do not proclaim to be one. This info may be correct, it may be wrong, or somewhere in between. Be encouraged to do your own research and come to your own conclusions when it comes to some more particular details. In 1937, Philadelphian A. Atwater Kent, a pronounced radio tycoon, offered $25,000 in order to help with restorations to the home. And they did their best to keep as many of the house's original elements 
And if they were not able to keep these qualities, then they'd utilize pieces from other demolished historical structures and locations. They added on a new structure to the back of the house, utilizing period-appropriate bricks. Kent went on to go and purchase the two adjacent properties as well, creating a sort of civic garden in the location. In the process, in 1941, the entire property, including the historic house and courtyard, were given to the city of Philadelphia. And several years later, in 1965, an annex building was added to the property, and in 1974, the courtyard was renovated once more, and a fountain was added onto the location. Finally, all in preparation for the United States' 200th anniversary, or the Bicentennial, the remains deemed to be that of Ross and her third husband, John Claypool, were moved and reburied onto a new grave located in the courtyard. When it comes to the paranormal events that occurred within the home, a lot of it falls within some of the more generalized oddities that seem to occur and during a haunting. Several of the people who report these events are those who either work on the location, those who run the gift shop, you know, run the tours, the directors of the location, essentially anyone who may remain on the spot long after closing hours. One additional event that I'd like to mention is a scuffle that occurred on the location between two security guards back in 1980. The fight took place in the basement and ended with one officer shooting the other three times and leaving the man to die overnight. However, from newspapers at the time that I was able to find, I was able to determine that the man had been taken into care after the shooting and was in critical condition, at least at the time of the paper's publication. Now, despite learning this, I was not able to find whether or not he died due to these injuries, but because of this, if he were to have died, it would leave me to believe that he did not actually die on the location However, again, I only mention this because oftentimes people will discuss this particular event and simply stop at the shooting and not provide any sort of resolution. So I try to provide even the slightest because despite all of this, since this shooting has occurred, several workers of the house have reported to hear noises down into the basement area along with voices when no one should really be down there. Moving on to the parlor of the house, the room where Betsy Ross was rumored to have met with the U.S. Flag Committee to create the first American flag, a tour guide of the location claims that she felt a very dark presence while within the room. As she was feeling this, two shadows silently moved past her while she was all alone inside of the room. A staff member who had been moving boxes down in the basement area alone reported to also hear rustling and voices that should not be there. Workers of the location also claim that boxes and objects will move about or again rustle on their own in the little storage overhead that they have above the gift shop. One of the most active rooms in the Betsy Ross house would be that of the attic, which as of today had been converted into the director's office. In this particular room in 1898, after moving his family into the home, the founder of the house museum mentioned earlier, Charles Weisgerber, actually passed away due to a stroke. I believe he was 76 years old at the time, but again, it was a very sudden death. Now, several people have reported strange occurrences in this space within the home. 
A former director of the location felt a hand place itself upon her and grab her shoulder while she was alone in the office working on her computer. Another director, the one actually before her, was also startled by something that occurred within the attic. So much so that she actually climbed out of the window and crawled out onto the flagpole which is situated just outside of the room. Many believe that the presence that may be occurring here is that of Weisgerber, again, the founder of the house museum who passed away inside of that room specifically. Now, the ghost hunters even came to investigate the Betsy Ross house during the premiere episode of season five. Despite them capturing a lot of EVPs and sort of odd occurrences during this investigation, the credibility of paranormal hunting shows such as this are always thrown into question. And if you want to watch the episode for yourself, be my guest, but I shall not be listing any of the captured evidence that they may have gotten during this particular episode. But that shall be all for today's location, and I hope you guys did enjoy learning some of the history and haunts that are linked to the area. Remember, if you do want to check out the show note links and resources used to research this episode, along with some behind-the-scenes content and exclusive photos or videos that I may grab from the location, then be sure to check out the podcast's Patreon. Or if you wish to stay up-to-date on all that Fright Month has to offer, then you can do so over on Twitter and Instagram at Realm of Unknown. Again, I hope you guys did enjoy today's brief episode, and I hope that you continue to join us throughout Fright Month here at Realm of the Unknown.